Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Endurance Innovation. And we've got kind of a year-end wrap-up going this episode, where we're going to uh, we're going to give a couple shout-outs to some of our, our fan base, our listeners, which we really appreciate. Um, so we are going to start with that, and then we'll be moving on to take a bit of a look at what happened in 2020. Uh, and obviously, we're only scratching the surface because 2020 was a... It was a year. Um, it's, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't know if there's any good words that can describe it, but everyone knows what we're talking about. It seems like um, if something could go wrong, it did go wrong in 2020. Um, but there were still some positive things that we can take out of it. And I think a lot of people learned about themselves quite a bit as well. Um, but looking forward, we'd also like to look at a few things that we've got lined up for 2021. And there's some exciting stuff there. Um, so it's it's nice to have that clean slate. And even though it's just another day coming into 2021, it feels like we're starting fresh. And I kind of like that feeling given how terrible 2020 was. Agreed. Yeah, I think uh, there's, there's certainly a lot of listeners and uh, a lot of us that uh, are happy to, you know, wrap up 2020 i think in the next couple of days as we're recording this on the 30th it'll go live on the 31st so it's kind of apropos <laughs> of, uh, of wrapping up the year uh, and uh yeah i think everyone uh, everyone i know certainly is looking forward to 2021 so this is just going to be a little short one for you folks um just a little bit of uh uh you know uh, some some nice things for us to do to thank the listeners as andrew said and then uh and then look look back look ahead so why don't we roll right into the the thanks that we want to pass out there for some of the reviews that we've gotten? Yeah, so this is what I want to highlight is um, you know the last uh, last little bit we've been uh, we've been asking folks to uh, to write reviews and to to uh, give us uh, five star ratings on their preferred podcast app, and you guys have been doing it, and we're uh, we're up to uh, thirty seven five star reviews, which uh, as I was telling Andrew before we started recording, doesn't sound like much, um, but. Uh, there, I, there's a stat out there that um, that states that more than half of the podcasts in po- the podcast universe have no reviews at all, right? So 37 five-star reviews is pretty awesome, and thank you for that. Um, and then even even cooler are all the folks who've actually put some words down. Um, as a coach, I always bug my athletes to put words into their <laughs> into their comment boxes on Training Peak. So uh, it's it's always a little bit of an extra treat when uh, when people who are giving us reviews. Um, also write stuff. Um, so there's a, there's a couple, a couple of folks, I'll just use first names, um, that, uh, that have left us reviews and we want to thank you for it. Um, Randy wrote a really nice, uh, piece of, um, of reviewing. Uh, he says this podcast brings a lot of science and technology advances in endurance sports in terms that the average athlete can understand and apply. Keep up the work, keep up the good work guys. Um, and then he he specifically notes that the uh, the episode on common running injuries, which we did with Brody Sharp, shout out to Brody, uh, was an eye opener to so many things that have kept me sidelined longer than they should have. Many practical tips on avoiding these common traps. Yeah, that episode he called out that was an eye opener for me too, um, and it's actually impacted how I've been training lately. Just with the uh, the little bit of uh, plantar fasciitis nickels that I've been feeling, so. Um, yeah, great to have that feedback, and it's it's good to know that the topics are helping people. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, our good friend of the show, Alan Havda, sent a, sent one our way as well. He uh, he writes, covers most of the geeky topics related to triathlon. What's not to love? Smiley face. So thanks, Alan. We're uh, we're always fans of yours, too. And uh, even, you know, offline, we've uh, we've had some chats uh, that you know, are not podcast related where he's given us some shout outs about some of the things we've talked about on his social feeds. And, uh, I've asked him some questions and he's, uh, we've had a little bit of a back and forth. So Alan's, uh, Alan's always uh, a favorite of mine to, uh, to hear from. Um, we also had uh, a nice note from Ken who says, if you want to up your game in the science behind the innovations related to endurance training philosophies and equipment, look no further. Andrew and Michael are two well-researched and articulate podcasters who walk the walk and interview the leading innovators in the field. A must for any serious uh, endurance athlete. And so, Andrew, I think this is a a friend of yours. Yeah, that's right. So this is Ken Fife. Uh, So he's someone who formerly worked at Four Eyes, uh, but more notably worked at Dynastream or helped co-found Dynastream. And he's the inventor of the running foot pod, which kind of launched all of this wearables technology. Um, So at some point, we'd love to get him on for an interview just to talk about the technology that went into the running foot pod because it was way ahead of its time and yeah just the the limitations with what they were dealing with in the early 2000s uh they did not have the technology to really execute it so it was very cool story so it'd be nice to have them on at some point absolutely 100 percent. i just uh i was actually changing a battery on a um on a garmin tempe sensor which is a temperature sensor but it's it's built on the form factor of a running foot pod and it goes on your shoe. And um, when I opened it up to swap the the little CR2032 battery inside it, it, uh, it said um, that it was like a Dynastream technology mm-hmm. or something. There's still there's still a little, you know, shout out to Dynastream inside these, uh, these Garmin sensors. Absolutely. Yeah. I think their name will be on most of the running foot pods at some point. <laughs> I believe it. So uh, those are just the last three folks we've had. Uh, we've had a bunch more, and of course there are you know those people who just who will give a, a star review and, uh, and not add words, which is also very very much welcome. But if you do con- want to, if you're feeling um, you know loquacious and you want to <laughs> <laughs> pontificate on uh, on what it is that we do, we'd love to hear from you, whether it's a review or or just an email or a note on social. It sounds like you've been using a thesaurus lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got a little bit carried away. <laughs> I don't talk to see the thing is with um with the the my guys home from school uh, I don't talk to a lot of adults right now so it's uh <laughs> It's nice to use words that have more than like two syllables. In them. There you go. That's a uh, good yep. use here. I'll, I'll listen yes. to them. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Um, okay. So let's, uh, let's do a little bit of a look back. Maybe some of our, some of our favorite episodes and some of the stuff that we've talked about that maybe our views have changed on or that we've, we, you know, continue to think the way we've thought about. Andrew, what are some of your highlights from this past year in terms of our topics? Well, the uh, I would say the overwhelming important viewpoint for this year was how indoor training or the attitudes around indoor training have changed, mm. because it's something that a lot of people who didn't embrace it before have been forced into. And I've always been a huge fan of indoor training. Uh, it's not always the most engaging, like it's definitely nice to get out and have a ride and see nature. But there are tons of advantages of indoor training. Like you can have a much more dedicated ride. You don't have to worry about stop signs. You don't have to worry about traffic. You don't have to worry about getting caught in a thunderstorm. Uh, there's all of these things that uh, that lead to a better overall workout, um, just much more controlled conditions. It is sometimes nice to be outdoors in terms of getting that variability. And I would say more so in running maybe, uh, just because there's a variation in surface and grade. But uh, certainly 
people have embraced indoor training this year and taken on platforms like Zwift and Trainer Road. And I think there is a huge uptick in the subscribership there. So it's it's good to see that people are still making the most of this environment and they're still getting on their bikes, even if they couldn't be outside as much as they wanted to. Yeah, 100%. Uh, what I really like about indoor training, and I like a mix. I mean, I, uh, I've been loving Zwift lately just because I've had some motivation issues and a lot of mine have to do with just like gearing up in the winter. I have... I don't think I have like full on sad, uh, but I definitely have a little, I, I struggle a bit in the winter um, and trying to, trying to work on that this year, especially with the guys. But uh, um, certainly jumping on the trainer in my basement is just so much easier than like getting geared up and, uh, and going for a ride outside in the snow and rain and whatever it is that's happening right now climatically. Um, but what I, what I will say too, is that from a coaching or a sports science perspective, the um, the control and the precision of an indoor environment lends itself really well to doing some pretty cool stuff. So, for example, some of the things that we've been, that Andrew and I have been talking about and we've had really smart guests talk about, you can really only do indoors um, or you can do it better indoors. So some of the things that, you know, some of the high intensity interval training, we talked to um, our friend Paul Larson. This was technically an episode at the very end of 2019, but I'm cheating, um, <laughs> where he, tell, he told us his, uh, his preferred techniques for, for HIIT training. And certainly you could do that. Well, running, you can do it outside easily, but on the bike, you could do it in a, you know, if it was safe enough to do, if you're out in the, in the country somewhere, but, um, in, uh, indoors, it's just so much easier to structure your training in precisely the way that you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a lot about testing. Um, and of course, testing indoors makes so much more sense because you have that, that added, um, environmental control with, where you can control more of these variables that you're interested in so that you can get a much more reliable and a much more repeatable uh, result than you could outdoors. And the idea of some of the testing actually ties into another one of my favorite episodes or favorite topics that we discussed was the uh, the core body temperature sensor, which is something yes. that both of us have been playing with. I assume this is going to be one of the ones that you brought up as your favorite topic as well. Uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's been very eye opening. Um, so, and full disclosure, so we did receive one uh, just to test out to to play around with. Um, but then when Michael had it, uh, you made me jealous, so I went out and purchased my own. <laughs> so, yep, <laughs> uh, and I purchased it at full price. But uh, it's it's very interesting to to work with, um, and I think they're they're still working on a lot of the firmware and the app. So it's. Yep constantly under development. It's not something that's fully integrated into the AMP Plus environment yet. So there's no dedicated channels for it. But with Connect IQ, and I think through Wahoo's equivalent, you can get the information displayed on your head unit. But yeah, there's been some heat protocol testing that I've done, which is just to determine your ability to reach a steady state temperature and deal with that. Uh, there's been just looking at what happens during workouts and how quickly your body heats up, uh, like steady state temperature that you hit. And it's been very, very interesting. So I think we'll definitely dive into more detail in this in another episode that's dedicated to it. But I mean, this is for anyone who's listened to any of our episodes, they know that this is totally in our wheelhouse. Yeah, this is, I've been, I've been on it and like, I'm not blowing smoke here. Like I, I haven't been as excited about a sensor as this thing in a long time, just because, you know, it pulls back the curtain on, on a key, um, physiological characteristic that 
we've had no idea about. And so I've been, I actually have a, a long email that I'm composing to myself that's in my draft box because I can pull out my phone and then when I'm sweating on the trainer and like type out another point, but it's got like, uh, you know, it's got almost 10 points in it that I want to explore or ask the core folks about or, or deliver as a, um, you know, as my feedback or, and talk about it in a future episode. But it's, it's just fascinating the potential uses that, that I'm coming up with. Um, and I'll tease one out now that I've, I'm just, this is super early on that I've got no, no evidence behind even, I don't even have enough of my own, uh, anecdotal evidence to really make any conclusions. But what I'm curious about is kind of the, the dichotomy of the physiological stress of, um, or I say strain probably is a better word, the physiological strain of, of operating at a high, at an elevated core body temperature versus the psychological perception of that. Um, and I've been playing around with, with modulating my fan because I've got my fan plugged into a smart outlet. Uh, by modulating, I mean just really just turning it on and off because I can't control its speed. It doesn't have a VFD or anything. Um, but with, with playing around with like, how can I use my fan and still keep my core temperature high? Can I use it just for the hard intervals to improve my perception of effort or my perception of thermal comfort? Because I'm finding that perception of thermal comfort is very much dictated by what my skin feels. Cause obviously that's where all the thermal sensors are, but I'm playing around with, can I change how, can I still keep the perception of effort low or, or perception of thermal comfort high, let's say, be comfortable thermally while keeping my core temperature up. And this is like, this would be a game changer because, and then all of those like disgusting, sweaty, well, they're still going to be sweaty, but this, <laughs> but really uncomfortable um, heat training sessions that depending on what you're trying to accomplish. And again, I don't want to do too much, talk too much about this because I think I want to devote a whole episode to this, but there, you might be able to manipulate, you know, your, your skin temperature a little bit to keep you comfortable while keeping your core temperature high and getting all the physiological advantages of a heat training session. So again, super early on, something that I'm going to talk, definitely talk to the core folks about as I'm playing around with it. But this thing has a lot of potential and uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it if you <laughs> if you guys can tell. So the, the one thing that I'm really interested in is just very early uh, observations, but looking at how you reach a steady state temperature and how your body reacts and like what's the time period mm-hmm. essentially for your, your body to register changes in core body temperature. And I think they, they have uh, indicated that there's some delay built into it, but that's also a physiological delay. Like your body's a large amount of mass that's trying to heat up. Um, so looking at that has been interesting, but also the steady state temperature that uh, even comparing an N equals two study of uh, yourself and me, that's <laughs> uh, like we seem to hit much different steady state temperatures. Um, so yep. when I'm working hard, it seems like I kind of stabilize around 38 and a half degrees and you're around 38.1 or 0.2. Or 0.2, yeah. Yeah, which is um, to me, it actually is, it supports some of my past evidence where I've done terrible in hot races. So I just reached this um, higher steady state temperature and I'm more prone to overheating because it doesn't take as much of a temperature bump to, uh, to put me up into that uncomfortable threshold. I was going to say, maybe it's cause I'm a bigger lump, Andrew, but it's, yeah, if we're talking about steady state, then, uh, then the, 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 then the, uh, the, uh, the size of my lump is, <laughs> is not relevant. That was, we heavily discussed last time was referring to you as a lump. My, my lumpiness. Um, okay. Before we turn this into a, into a a core, core temp sensor episode, Mm -hmm. there was a couple of episodes that we did that we did this year that, that really stand out. And I know this is maybe just the benefit of, of its recency, but, uh, the chat we just had with Dan Bingham, 
um, about his hour attempt and all of his uh, and all of the innovations there. That was honestly one of my favorites, um, and just because of how you know how deep of a dive we can do into aerodynamics, which is obviously like a big focus of ours. Uh, you know, aside from the thermal stuff, um, and also uh, chats that I had this year that had. Nothing to do with aerodynamics or thermodynamics, believe it or not, really stand out. Like our um, our recent episode with uh, Toronto City Councilor Brad Bradford about um, the role of sustainable transportation in cities, especially in you know the context of COVID, but even outside of it. And uh, the chat that we had with, um, or that I had with uh, TTF founder Jeff Chong uh, mm-hmm. about about this year, how this year went for, you know, a race director like himself. Um, and then sort of what some of his, uh, what some of his thoughts are for 2021. And of course they're always evolving. And actually Jeff and I are going to have another chat, uh, not on the podcast, but in, um, in the endurance athlete summit that, uh, some Toronto coaches are holding in February that I linked to uh, a couple episodes ago. So, uh, I'm doing a segment on aerodynamics, but I'm also interviewing Jeff um, he was kind enough to ask me to do that for him, uh, for his segment on kind of the state of, of racing in 2021. So, uh, outside of our, outside of our sandbox maybe, but certainly really interesting conversations that, uh, stood out for me. Yeah. And I think that, uh, regarding the, the race director role, it's something everyone's interested in is how is this going to evolve? What, what is our new normal going to be in 2021? Will we get back to racing? What will change? So I'm, I'm like, I'm looking forward to getting out and racing. I realize that it's been over a year now since I've done any kind of races. Um, so that will be very nice to do, but, uh, obviously it's something we need to do safely and sustainably, and we don't want to end up in kind of the same situation that we are currently. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, like being, you know, being directly involved in that industry, well, so are you right in the, with four mm-hmm. eyes, but, uh, in coaching, it's definitely affected my, my business quite a bit. Um, the lack of racing, I mean, um, and so we're, you know, there's, there's a lot going on behind the scenes too. We're, we're actually working on an interview. This is, I guess, looking ahead, which is probably where we're going next, but, uh, working on an interview with, uh, Steve Fleck, who's, um, without going into too much detail, cause that will let Steve talk about it, but, uh, um, he's putting together, uh, an association of race directors and similar folk, um, to lobby the lobby the government in uh, in providing support for these individuals because as much as we love all of this you know this thermal aero uh, training and you know smart training intervention stuff um, most of us are in it to race right like at some point you kind of want to you know you want to test all of the stuff that you've done and all of this equipment that you have in a in a competitive setting not for everyone certainly but for most of us um, and without without people to put on races that, uh, that we just can't do that. So it's, that's a really, really important component of our ecosystem. Um, and I'm really keen to hear what, uh, Steve has to say about his plans. And he's just a super interesting guy to talk to. He's a tome of knowledge about uh, <laughs> any kind of sports statistics or athletic statistics. And, uh, he's just, yeah, he's been the voice of Multisport Canada. Uh, so, Michael, you and I got to know him there. I've seen him at a bunch mm-hmm. of different uh, UCI track events. He uh, he did the, uh, I want to say narration, but the MC for uh, uh, Lionel Sanders one-hour record. And yeah, he just, he pops up everywhere and I randomly see him at uh, like Interbike when it <laughs> existed or Eurobike. So it's just, you know, you're walking around the halls and, oh, there's Steve. Of course there's Steve. He's always there. <laughs> but uh, very interesting yeah. guy, knows everyone, knows so much about the sport and so much about athletics. So I'm really looking forward to when we have a chance to chat with him. 
Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, what else are we doing? We're, well, we obviously mentioned that we're going to be doing some core follow-ups. Uh, we've got, we may do a follow-up podcast with the guys, or maybe just Andrew and I will periodically um, assault your ears with, with more of our <laughs> pontification on, uh, on, on what, uh, what we're doing with our devices and what we, how we think they can be used. Um, we also have uh, an episode that we have been, an individual who we've been chasing since the summer, uh, with a with a difficult to pronounce last name, although Andrew, I think, has mastered it. We hope, we think. Yeah, Kara Georges is my best guess at that. But uh, yeah, if nothing else, we need him on the episode just to tell us if we've been screwing up his name. <laughs> That's right. So, of course, listeners, if you may not remember, but this was from um, an I've been thinking about or compression shorts episode that we did where Andrew talked about um, the role of music in attenuating perceived exertion in workouts. And so that paper was was written by uh, Professor Kara Georges. And so we're really keen to hear his, you know, kind of straight from from his mouth uh, the, his about his findings and how they can be applied to to training. I think in, instinctively, we all know that listening to some some good beats helps us get through tough sessions. But uh, it's always good to know that there's some uh, some real evidence behind that. So this is just a random thought about music, but I wonder if the opposite effect exists. Like if, uh, for example, you were to play Baby Shark over and over, um, how long it would make the <laughs> intervals feel? <laughs> I don't know about that, but I certainly like, I find that if I'm, if I'm having a bad ride, it was just happened yesterday, um, and uh, having a crap ride, if I get distracted by sounds, they, I really like, I find that really hard to get, to get over. Mm -hmm. I was having like questions thrown at me by my partner and then like my kids were around. They're like, daddy, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm fucking up this workout kids. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't quite use those words of course, but uh, that is what I wanted to say. And of course, swearing also helps you get through an interval. So yes, yes, that's, that's the right segue. But I don't know if Kara George has much to say on that one, but we'll definitely ask him. Um, the other, the other one that we're working on right now is I've just uh, been in touch with um, with our uh, former guest Marco Altini of HRV for Training. He, in a blog post, uh, re- shared a study uh, where the authors are purporting to use uh, live heart rate variability, um, so that's live in a workout, um, to uh, to estimate LT1, which is. Uh, of course, listeners, your your lower threshold or your aerobic threshold or roughly your ventilatory threshold number one. Um, and the reason this is so important is, first of all, it's super hard to find. It's um, it without without doing sometimes lab testing or um, certainly like the inside test on the bike can can give you a pretty good idea of where your LT one is, even though they call it something else. Um, the and the reason it's so important is if you want to follow any kind of uh, polarized training, but even if you want to have a good grasp on, on your training intensity distribution, your LT1 is a very important demarcation of effort. Um, and it's been hard to find, and people have been messing it up. Um, I have been, my athletes have been, and it's kind of it's kind of like the uh, the holy grail, well, one of them in in endurance training. So what this study was um, was uh, trying to determine was whether or not you could use um, live heart rate variability with an accurate chest strap. Certainly not, you wouldn't be able to do this with a, with an optical sensor. Um, and some pretty aggressive from my poor understanding of their data, pretty aggressive, um, artifact detection and elimination, um, in finding out what, uh, where that, where, where the, where that heart rate or power, whatever your intensity metric is, 
um, where the lower threshold happens to be. And this is super fascinating. I obviously don't know very much about it just yet because I've only read the study and I definitely want to speak to the authors of the study who have just recently, I just looked at the email, just agreed to come on um, to tell us all about this research. Because if it does work, it could be, it could be very, very important because it could be one of those things where if you're doing a free ride, um, you could, you know, you could turn this logger on and it's a, it's an iOS app right now. Um, and have it tell you when you've hit, you know, your lower threshold. And so you want to, if you're doing an endurance rod, you want to stay below that lower threshold. So you can really modulate your effort to this, uh, to this value. And because as probably most of you know, our thresholds will change day to day based on any number of variables like fatigue or, or, um, you know, hydration, fueling, um, all, all sorts of things. They'll change up, up and down a little bit. So knowing, having a fairly accurate metric of it that you can, you don't have to retest to reevaluate, but you can actually see within your workout, that could be a real win. Yeah, I'm very excited to see how this turns out because I've always had difficulty assessing my aerobic zones or where where I should be for some of these longer workouts. And maybe that's one of the reasons I haven't had success in the past with um, with some of the more endurance style rides. Um, mm-hmm. so I remember you saying that, yeah, that yeah. you, you know, that you had, uh, you'd spent this last season or part of it doing quite a bit of volume at lower intensity and it did not, it did not seem to, uh, yield too much of a benefit for you. Yeah. So it'd be very interesting to test or just to compare and see if I was riding too hard or if I wasn't riding hard enough. Um, so mm-hmm. could be either way. Yeah. Prop maybe too, most likely too hard. It's usually like with this stuff, it's usually better to air low, right? To miss it low than to miss it high because then you start to lose some of the benefits. Whereas missing it low, you know, you're still, you're still reaping most of them, I think. Mm-hmm. At least that's my understanding of it. But it'd be, it'd be an interesting, uh, th- I'm really looking forward to the discussion. I think it could be, it could be a really um, useful one. And the thing I love about this is that as much as I love the core sensor and I think it's super valuable, the only thing you need for this is uh, uh, in Canadian dollars, it's 11, it's 11 bucks uh, on iOS, uh, the app, the HRV for training data logger. And then you just need a good, accurate heart rate strap with uh, Bluetooth uh, connection. So they, they recommend Polar, but you know, we'll see if it can get another one to work. Polar's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> the The only question I would have is how much of an impact the firmware and internal averaging from a given manufacturer might have on that. Because if you've got a highly averaged value, you may not actually ever see the variability that exists. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's maybe that's why they will ask. We'll put the question to uh, to Bruce, who's going to be the author that one of the authors anyway, who's going to come on. Um, we'll definitely ask him about that. So what else have we got to look forward to in 2021 then? A fucking vaccine, hopefully. I mean, that one goes. That one goes without saying, listeners. And I'm sorry for all the cursing on this on this holiday edition. It's been, but, emotion- uh, it's been an emotional year. It has been an emotional year. Um, really, that's why I think that's you know it's it's much is like that's the the goose that lays a golden egg at this point. I think that's that's where a lot of us are seeing our salvation um, from our you know from our <laughs> from our isolation and from our lack of race. And I know there the people who've had much much bigger problems um, than than not being able to race. Uh, that seems like it pales in comparison with people who've actually like have actually had serious health outcomes or have had. Um, those outcomes for, for people and their families. Um, and I've been lucky not to, I've had a, a couple of family members get COVID-19, but very, with very mild symptoms, fortunately. Um, and it's, yeah, it's so far, it's been okay. Um, but yeah, certainly the vaccine is really what I'm looking forward to in 2021. And I think not to be underestimated is the impact on mental health. And our listeners are going to take a lot of 
positive benefits from training from racing because that's what they enjoy. Whereas a lot of other people would have other activities that they do for positive mental health. And I think a lot of those revolve around socialization. Mm -hmm. And that's something that people have been lacking this year. So I, I would say it does kind of sound a little bit, um, almost joking or not taking it seriously saying, yeah, racing is important, but I would say there is a component of it that is mental health related that a lot of people have been suffering. And so hopefully the increase or the, hopefully the vaccine will allow us to increase our activity in doing what we love to do and improve that area of our lives. Totally agree. Um, so with that listeners, I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. We wanted to keep this short and sweet and that's what it looks like to be. Um, as always, <laughs> give us a, give us a five-star review, <laughs> you, you listeners, and then also consider writing some words because, uh, as I said, it, uh, it really does help us get found by, uh, by folks just like yourself. Uh, but also it, uh, gives us a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. And we're obviously not doing this to, <laughs> to make a buck. Um, this is a, a, a passion project for both Andrew and myself. And so it's, it's <clears> nice <throat> to hear that it's, that it has actually had some kind of meaningful impact on, uh, the lives and or at least the training lives of our listeners yeah and that gives us motivation to keep pushing forward and to continue doing this so it's uh it's hugely valuable for us and likewise if you have complaints uh maybe don't post in the reviews but if you want to email <laughs> us uh yes, then, then we're happy to hear any criticisms as well because uh, i think that's the only way to make things better but we do genuinely love doing this and i know in this journey um, I've learned so much compared to what I ever thought I could be exposed to. And it's, uh, it's incredible just talking to some of these experts and finding out all this new information. It's been a fantastic trip that we've been on. Absolutely. That's why when I, you know, when I have conversations about like what well, you're doing a podcast and you're like, how much money do you, does your podcast make? I make zero dollars <laughs> where we're still, well, we have, we have a couple of folks on Patreon and then, uh, we have, but our costs for hosting are higher than that. But the um, the value is in to me at least is in what Andrew just said. It's just is just learning um, learning all the stuff that we're learning and having access to these experts, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you, we might we might pay a bunch of a bunch of money to, to attend a, a lecture presented by one of these folks, and here they've uh, kindly um, offered up some of their time to come and talk to us and answer our questions on the show. So that's yeah. Uh, it's pretty great. I feel pretty fortunate to be able to do that. Absolutely. And hopefully our listeners feel the same way that they've been benefiting from all this information too. Yeah, totally. So with that, folks, uh, have an excellent uh, New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Day, and uh, 2021 hopefully is brighter. <laughs> Looking forward to it. 